Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Uh, right, uh, let's get uh, to the bulletin with uh, Aidan uh, McLaughlin. And uh, Aidan is uh, out of Hawke's Bay, of course, and uh, very vested interest in uh, all sport, but uh, particularly in the Ashes uh, going on at the moment. Aidan, good morning to you. Uh, what a turnaround last night. We were uh, actually having a beer, Aidan and I, last night, thinking about the fact that um, England needed to have a, a really good day. And, uh, mate, they duly obliged, didn't they? Yeah, morning to you, Smith. They certainly did. I think it's... Um well, what are we, two days into the second test now, and if, the, if there's going to be so many swings and roundabouts in this series for the rest of the time that the Ashes are on, it's going to keep us all on tender hooks. But yeah, it was a real good comeback by, by England yesterday. I think day one, I think we'd all agree that that was probably the weakest uh, day in terms of their performance and, and even their attitude since Stokes and McCullum have been heading up that England uh, team. But they really came back well. You know, they, they ended up taking the last seven Australian wickets for 100 runs. Um, and I think they would have been, if, if you'd offered uh, a total of 416 at the start of uh, the play yesterday, they would have taken that. And then they went on and they, they batted reasonably well. I think, they, I think they should probably be a little bit disappointed, in fact, with the fact they lost four wickets in the end. Um, I think that uh, Pope, Duckett and Root, they probably all got out playing shots that they didn't need to play. You know, I think that the, the Australian bowlers in the end, when they didn't get any early success, they, they probably played to those English egos a little bit and uh, gave them some short stuff, and uh, those three in particular couldn't resist it. What did you make of uh, some of these bowling figures? I mean, Mitchell Stark, absolutely, he can be loose, he can be a bit vulnerable, but you pick him on the basis he bowls those magnificent deliveries every now and then. And Hazelwood, who's never been collared to that effect, well, what about those bowling figures? Well, it's interesting, before when we found out that Stark had been uh, picked prior to the start of play, um, before we even knew who was going to bat or bowl first, someone actually said to me, Stark is either going to run through them or he's going to go for naught for 125. And it did seem to have that kind of feeling about it. But, yeah, he went for, I think, just over six. Um, Hazelwood just under six. It was really only Nathan Lyon, and I'm sure we'll get on to him in a minute, Nathan Lyon and, and Cummins that actually kept the, the innings from completely running away because... It's very unusual, as you say, for Hazelwood in particular to go for so many runs. Um, even Green was very expensive off his seven overs. I think he was one for 43. So, again, very expensive. Um, but, yeah, and this is the problem with this, um, I guess, this England batting lineup. They can take the game away from you pretty quickly if they're allowed to. And, yeah, they're, they're not afraid of going after the big names, the big reputations. It doesn't matter to them. Well, certainly Nathan Lyon has a reputation and they did treat him by their own high standards with a lot of caution up until he left the field uh, with it looks like a calf injury, 13 overs, uh, 1 for 35. So clearly uh, McCullum and Stokes have said to their players, this guy, um, we treat him with, um, with really uh, very, very carefully because he's the guy that can win it for them. Uh, so we don't go for 6 and over off Nathan Lyon, but we just don't get out to him. Uh, but now that it looks like they might not have to worry at all, how much of a bearing could it have, not just on this Lord's Test match, but on the series, in your viewpoint? I think I think it will have a huge bearing. I mean, I think uh, this is Lyon's 100th game in a row, test in a row mm. for Australia, which just goes to show, number one, that Australia uh, really, really value him as, as an asset, whatever the conditions. This is not like, um, you know, we've come to be accustomed to with a New Zealand test lineup where at home they simply don't play a spinner. 
they will play Nathan Lyon, rain, shine, home, away. It doesn't matter to them. And and he is a very successful off spinner. He's, he's Australia's most uh, successful off spinner in history. He's a, he's a great guy, um, a great player. Um, and now, I mean, you know, it was interesting at the end of the day, Head came on to bowl. He bowled five overs. Smith even had a bit of a random over at the end. But I was kind of thinking about it after play and... You know, if we, as expected, see that he's going to be ruled out for the entire series, what do Australia do? Do they, do they actually just bring back Scott Boland? You know, the, he was probably a little bit harshly dropped for this test. Do they suddenly think, okay, we'll go for an all-seam attack, or do they, and they make do with some some overs from Head and Smith, or do they bring in a specialist from the squad? I really don't know what they're going to do. It might be a case by case basis, depending on what sort of um, pitch they've got in front of them. But the big mm. picture, big blow for them with Lyon being out. Yeah, I look, I, I think it'll change what uh, the strategy will be in terms of what England require from their ground staff. So they'll say, look, we don't order a pitch, we just uh, turn up and play on it. That is rubbish. Uh, they'll have had plenty of chats uh, to the various ground staff. And uh, if Nathan Lyon is not part of the Australian setup, um, I would imagine we can go a little bit drier on the basis that. Uh, uh, he's, they haven't got a spinner that's going to roll us in, in days three and four and five. Right, let's uh, also look at uh, other cricket as well and uh, concerning our White Ferns who have got a pretty strong side on a tour of uh, Sri Lanka who they had never lost to until the other night when they got thumped, absolutely thumped. What did you make of that? Um, and what are you looking for to an improvement today? Yeah, well, it was, a, it was an interesting one. It was rain delayed. I think it ended up being a 29 over a side match. So it's that kind of that interesting length of game kind of in between um, your, your T20, which they play a lot of, and, of course, your, 30, your traditional 50 over, which, which they're there for. Um, but I actually thought they posted a reasonable total. You know, they, they got over six and over in those 29 overs. And I thought at the halfway stage they were probably quite well positioned. It's always difficult, especially when you, you haven't played somewhere before. It's difficult to go in that first, you know, what's a good total, um, so I actually thought they'd done all right. But then, of course, uh, the Sri Lankans showed it up to be um, not enough. Although, you know, the, the Sri Lankans, they won by nine wickets, but um, there was only, I think, an over or so to spare um, in terms of the knocking off the runs. Um, but I guess it probably shows how important this sort of tour is, that they get more experience in the likes of Sri Lanka because, the, you know, there's a number of global tournaments going to be in the subcontinent over the next few years. And I, I know that... Um, Ben Sawyer in particular is very conscious of that fact. He needs them to get used to those pitches, those conditions. Um, what do we want to see tonight? Well, hopefully we get a full game in and there's no rain interruptions, but I think they've just got to be pushing things a little bit more. You know, we, we've seen that um, the, the, the runs that they got the other night wasn't enough, but more worryingly for me is that they only took one wicket. So really they've got to get these, these spinners working do they add another spinner in? You know, does Lee does Kasprick come come in? It'll be the first game she's played in a long time, but now she's back in the squad. You would imagine that Sawyer and Devine will want to have a good look at her. So I mm. think really, yeah, we just got to see more out of these spinners and maybe even an extra spinner. Radio Warriors Rabbitohs uh, tonight, um, game two of round eighteen of the NRL. Warriors pretty heavy favourites at the TAB. No Latrell Mitchell for the Rabbitohs. How are you seeing this one, Aidan? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Warriors in fifth on the table and uh, 
the bunnies down in eighth. But, you know, there's only two points separating them on, on the table. And I think that is the great thing about this NRL. I think between first and ninth, there's only four points separating all the teams. Even if you go a bit deeper down to 12, there's only six points separating all those teams. So um, based on form, uh, Warriors three straight wins. Bunnies conceding a lot of points recently. As you say, Latrell Mitchell out. Um, I think at, ho- at home, the, the Warriors are justifiably strong favourites. And I, I do think they will go and win. And I think they'll win pretty candidly as well. I just think um, the, the, the fan the mojo the last three weeks, they really have. Not that they were playing badly before, but they just had a few little setbacks um, uh, results-wise. But I think, I think things are looking really good. And I think they've got a really good chance to go on a good run here and not only cement a top eight place, but really cement a top four place. I think, I think it's there for the taking for them this year. Yeah, I think we've gone past the point now of um, credibility in terms of their season. Uh, I think we've gone past the, the despair stage as well. I, I think they've earned the right now to, uh, to be a, uh, a highly anticipated event, actually, the Warriors, to be fair. Um, and that's the way I'm looking at their performance and it's taken them a half a season so what Webster's done along with his, uh, his staff and uh, how uh, McFadden and co have uh, recruited etc uh, it has been a standout to the point where the TAB have already acknowledged to the tune of $400,000 that they're going to make the eight they've paid out on it this far out 10 rounds to go <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing I've heard from uh, some overseas bookmakers in the past, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, if a, a football team over in England or something have got a big lead, the, 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 the bookies will pay out, you know, the likes of Paddy Power and what have you. And it's obviously a really good marketing tool for those, those bookies as well. But really interesting that the TAB are willing to do so. Uh, I mean, well, you know, barring an absolute disaster in terms of a drop-off of form or suspensions and injuries, etc., etc., you have to say it's looking pretty locked in because they are just playing with good belief, um, just, just, just real confidence at the moment and, and good quality as well. And um, so, I, I, you know, I can understand why the TAB have done it to some extent and it's a nice little bit of publicity for them as well, isn't it? Yeah, and they know they'll get it back. The bulk of people will re- reinvest anyway, which is always a smart move. Uh, and just finally, um, the uh, football fans are announced in, uh, what, uh, about an hour and a half, or not even that long, in just under an hour's time. Uh, so a really uh, important uh, day on the calendar for all of those uh, young ladies who are going to take part in the World Cup. Um, the uh, football fans do actually play in Napier, but not in the World Cup itself. I think they play Vietnam here at McLean Park. So uh, would you be going? Are you showing a lot of interest in this? So, um, that's, yeah, that's a week on Monday, and that's a five o'clock kickoff at McLean Park. I'm actually away. Um, <laughs> typically, I've made plans to be away on holiday before that fixture was announced. So, I think we get back uh, probably about eight o'clock that night. So, I will miss the game, uh, typically. Um, but listen, I mean, there's, there's a good buzz, uh, certainly for what I can tell in the local, local community about that game being here. I know that uh, junior football clubs in particular are, are get, buying a lot of tickets, and I think. Like all these things, there'll be there'll be a decent um, late flurry of ticket sales, uh, especially with being school holidays and a good kickoff time. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, in terms of overall interest, yeah, I, I'm just really ready for this World Cup to get going now. You know, we we're, we've talked a lot about the football ferns um, issues. You know, the the lack of ability to score, but they've been in a nine week training camp now, and you know, once this wider squad of 33 gets whittled down to 23 today 
it's really, it's time to get on with it. You know, I think they're going to have a little break before they reconvene for the Napier game. And then it's into it, you know, and it's going to be a tough, tough proposition. Norway, the Philippines, Switzerland. Um, but I just, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to get on with it now. Hopefully, good crowd for the Vietnam match. Hopefully a win. And it builds up a little bit more momentum, not only for the team, the squad, but also the, the, the following public. Aidan McLaughlin, thank you so much uh, for your time uh, this morning and uh, summing up uh, events over the last couple of days and uh, what's about to unfold over the weekend. It is uh, 10.53 here on SENZ.